0: We'll continue inshaAllah ta'ala from the lesson that we started last week, reflecting on the ayat of or about Ibad al-Rahman, from which surah in the Quran? From Surah Al-Furqan. And we said that last week. We wanted to count them. So perhaps some of you went home and did your homework and reflected on the ayat as we requested, and you counted them inshallah ta'ala. And we're going to continue to count them today uh, as we continue to reflect on these sifat or these characteristics of of Ibad al-Rahman. And as we mentioned last week, it's very important that we take out the time to reflect. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Ibad rahman and the servants of al rahman the most merciful, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he starts to list for us their characteristics and who they are. It's very important if we want to be from those who are close to al rahman subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we want to be from those who receive the mercy of Allah. That we reflect on these characteristics. And we reflect on our actions to see where we are from these characteristics. Last week, how many of these sifat or characteristics did we mention? We explained how many of them last week. Three of them, alhamdulillah. And we'll continue today with the fourth one. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, And those who say, Oh our Lord, avert from us the punishment of Jahannam, the punishment of hell. And making dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves us and diverts us from the punishment of hell which the fire of Jahannam, as it was confirmed in the hadith, is how much hotter than the fire of the dunya? The fire of the dunya, is it hot? Hey, it's hot. None of us can handle it. SubhanAllah may Allah protect us. How much hotter is the, is the fire of the Jahannam? Seventy times hotter, as the Prophet ﷺ said. And the fire that we see, which is seventy times weaker but yet it's still a great reminder the fire of the dunya when you reflect on the fire as allah mentioned when he said subhanahu wa ta'ala turun. and have you seen the fire that you ignite A'antum anshatum am is it you who made the tree grow or are we the grower Nahnu We have made it a reminder and provision for the travelers. The fire, we made it a reminder. When you see the fire of this dunya, it reminds you of the fire of the hereafter. It reminds you that if your actions are not in accordance with what they should be, that this is where you're going in the hereafter, to this fire, the fire that you see day in and day out. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the verse after that, فَسَبِّحْ bismi رَبِّكَ الْعَظِيمُ So exalt the name of your Lord the Most Great. Hey, act. Act. Act while you have the opportunity, while you have the chance. And that's why our beloved Prophet ﷺ said, النَّارِ وَلَوْ Fear the hellfire, even if it's with a half of a date. Do as much action as you can, no matter how small it might be. I was reading a couple of years ago, and I found that one of the salaf, the early Muslims, he said that Allah created the fire as a rahmah, as a mercy, and I I didn't understand it in the beginning. How could it be mercy, and the creation of the hellfire? But then when I started to reflect on the meaning of what he was saying, it's a mercy to know. It's there. It's created. And this is gonna be the outcome for those who turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who are disobedient from Allah. So it's a mercy that you know that if you're not going to be obedient, this is where you're gonna go. It helps you stay in line. It helps you do what you're supposed to be doing. It's a reminder to you. As Allah mentioned in the ayat, when you look into the dua of our beloved Prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we find many duas where the Prophet alayhi salatu Wasallam would seek refuge from Jahannam, seek refuge from the hellfire. From them in the end of the salat what do we say that at the end of the salat end of the shahud we're supposed to seek refuge in four things what do we say at the end of the salat the first thing oh allah I seek refuge with you from the punishment of the hellfire and then from what from the punishment of the hellfire Women fitnat al-mahya and from the trial of life and death. Women fitn, women sharri fitnat al-Masih dajjal and from the evil trial of the Messiah, ad-Dajjal, the Antichrist. May Allah subhanahu wa taala protect us from all of these fitn, and may Allah protect us from the hellfire and from the punishment of the graveyard. From the du'as that the Prophet sallallahu used to make, a very simple du'a, but very powerful in its meaning when he would say Allahumma inyas yas'aluka al-jannah oh Allah I ask you al-jannah wa ilayha min aw-amal and whatever brings me nearer to jannah from a quote, from a statement or from an action and then he would say wa'udhu bika al noun, and I seek refuge with you from the hellfire wa ma qarrab ilayha min aw-amal and whatever actions will bring me closer to the hellfire subhanAllah because what's important is seeking refuge from the hellfire, asking Allah the Jannah, but also the actions that are going to help us get to Jannah, and to help us refrain and stay away from the actions that will lead us to the hellfire. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at the end of the verse, described for us Jahannam, with one of the many descriptions that came in the Qur'an, Inna kana That the punishment is a permanent punishment, not something that will ever end. The one who enters there will be tortured eternally. Just as the one who enters into Jannah, he will be in naim in pleasure eternally. Innaha Sa'ad Mustaqarran Muqama indeed is an evil settlement and residence. This is Jahannam. The fourth characteristic that they seek refuge from Adaba Jahannam. The fifth characteristic, Those who spent. How do they spend their money? Pay attention to the characteristics of how they spend their money. Lam yusrifu, that they are not, they do not spend it excessively. And they're not stingy with it. And they are between, moderate, between the two. They're not stingy holding back against themselves and the family, and they're not excessively spending and wasting the money at the same time. They're moderate in how they spend the money. The best way of spending our money, (coughs) as it came in the hadith which is narrated in Sahih Muslim, that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said that, the most excellent type of dinar that the person will spend is the one that he spends upon his family. That's the best money you can spend, money spent on your family. And after that he said, the one that he spends on his animal and the path of Allah. And the third, is the one spent on his companions in the path of Allah. Al-Imam al Hasan al-Basri, Allah ta'ala, he said that there's no excessive spending when it comes to spending in the path of Allah. That there's no wasting. You can spend as much as you want, meaning when it comes to spending in the path of Allah. But obviously, this is if we spend, first of all, on what? On our family, as we learn from the hadith if we spend on our family and we're taking care of our family, then the rest can be spent, <clears throat> The Prophet wasallam in Sahih bukhari it's confirmed that he would take the money that he received from Khaybar and he would put it aside for his family for all of their needs for the entire year. And what was left over, he would spend it all in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So making sure you take care of your family first is what Islam teaches us. After that, we spend for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught us of how we spend our money, that we're moderate in how we spend it. And it's very important in the societies that we live in today, especially here where there's a lot of excessive spending, a lot of wasting. Unfortunately, when you go back to where many of us come from in the West, you'll see that the teachings of Islam are more implemented when it comes to how people spend they spend moderately and they're not, not, they're not Muslims, but they spend moderately and they don't waste their money. Huh? They don't buy things that they don't need. They don't throw things out and waste things. They take away the takeaway from the restaurant. They're not shy or throw it away. They don't cook a bunch of food that gets thrown out in the end. And this is how we need to be as Muslims, This is what Islam is teaching us, not to be wasteful, not to waste our money. We're going to be asked about how we spend our money on al-qiyama. How much of the food and the things that we waste that could be benefiting our brothers who are less needy than us, or brothers who are in need from around the world? So we spend as Muslims. We don't hold back, because some say I, I, I like to live. I like to live nice. I like to live comfortable. Alhamdulillah, that's no problem. Even the teachings of Islam, when the person wants to have nice clothes and wants to have, we mentioned the hadith last week. He wants to have nice shoes and nice clothes. Is it permissible? Permissible. What did the Prophet say? In Allaha Jamilun, yuhibul Jamal. That indeed Allah is beautiful and He loves beauty. Subhanahu wa Taala. And another hadith, the Prophet he mentioned about having a nice ride and a nice house. These are from the things that bring happiness. So there's nothing wrong as long as it doesn't distract us and as long as we're not wasteful and flamboyant in how we spend the money. But to live comfortably. In moderation, this is okay. This is what Islam calls us to do. And what we have left over, we spend for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. The next characteristic. Many of the scholars, when you read them talking about ibadah Rahman, they say that the sixth characteristic, and they mention this ayah, which actually has three characteristics in it. So pay attention to that. When it comes to the counting, they say there's sixth characteristic, and they mention the three sins that are mentioned in the ayah that they stay away from. So, do you count it as one or do you count it as three? I personally see it being three different things. Even though many times you'll find those who explain it from the scholars, they mention this as as the the sixth point. The first thing, that they they do not invoke another deity with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They stay away from shirk. The Prophet was asked about what is the greatest sin and he said to make equals to Allah and he is the one who created you to make equals to Allah and he is the one who created you the Prophet reminds us of the fitrah inside that our creator subhanahu wa ta'ala he's the only one who has the right to be worshipped without joining any partners what is the outcome of shirk and those who fall into shirk. In That Allah does not forgive to join partners with him. And he forgives other than that to whom he pleases. Any sin Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive except for the shirk. If you make tawbah from it, you repent from Alhamdulillah, it will be forgiven. But if you die upon shirk, you will not be forgiven. This is the one sin that Allah won't forgive. He's the one who created you. He's the one who gave to you. He's the one who nourished you. He's the one who provided for you. And then you join partners and make equals to Allah in your worship? That's why the sin won't be forgiven. How can we stay away from shirk? The greatest sin. The only sin that won't be forgiven. What can we do to stay away from it? It starts with knowledge. That's why Allah told us in the Quran, la ilaha illallah. Then know, La ilaha illallah. Understand its meanings properly. Understand Tawheed. What is the meaning of La Ilaha Illallah? So many Muslims today, you ask them, what does La Ilaha Illallah mean? And they have no clue. He says the kalima. He believes in it. Or at least what he thinks, he understands, he believes in it. You say that they'll come and they'll say, there's no raziq, no provider, no creator, except for Allah. That's only one part of La Ilaha Illallah. The mushrikeen of Quraysh, they believe the same thing that you believe, brother. That was their belief as well. When they say, What does La ilaha illallah mean? The true meaning of La ilaha illallah, La ma'abuda bi illallah. That there's no deity, no God worthy of worship except for Allah. Allah is the only one who has the right to be worshipped. So we need to understand truly what La ilaha illallah means. And then we need to understand what is shirk. I said in a lecture some time back that many, all of the Muslims almost, almost all of the Muslims, maybe 99% of the Muslims have shirk in their households. Not me. I'm wahid, I'm, I'm untawheed. SubhanAllah, shirk enters our household so easily these days we don't even know it. The cartoons that our kids are watching at home, full of shirk and full of kufr. Walt Disney, oh it's just cartoons. The skin is something small. Full of shirk and full of kufr. And it's full of other evil things as well subhanallah subliminal message is taking away the innocence of your children and how they think but even worse than that it has shirk and kufr in it all built upon and magic and all this stuff and it's, it's innocent it's cartoons and we're letting our kids watch it so what do we do what is the alternative we don't have good islamic cartoons unfortunately there are a few of them but not good so at least you sit with your children to know what they're watching and don't just let them open the tv and watch anything that could be harming them and could be taking them out of the fold of Islam if they believe in it. Be careful. And that's just one example of how shirk spreads. But how do I know? I have knowledge right away. When I have knowledge, I see that this is kufr, this is shirk. I know it. I can't accept it as a Muslim. So it starts with knowledge and being able to protect yourself and protect your family so you have strong tawhid and you don't fall into shirk. The next characteristic illa bilhaq. And they do not kill the soul which Allah has forbidden to be killed except by right. How many types of killing are mentioned here in the verse? I'll reflect, ya How many types of killing? And they do not kill the soul which Allah has forbidden to be killed except by right, that which is right. First of all, what does it mean by that which is right? What type of killing can be right? Is there any type of killing that's good? What type of killing? Like what? execution the sauce if someone is a killer and he gets killed that's al al that's, that's that's true justice if someone is a killer then he gets killed that's 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 that's, that's being killed with what something is right if you're defending yourself you're defending the the, the muslim land that you live in it's attacked and you have to defend that's it that's that's something that's permissible if someone comes into your home and wants to kill you and your, and your, or your family and wants to steal from you and he's coming at you, coming at your children. Is it permissible or not permissible? They say, shoot him in the leg first, huh? But inshallah, maybe hit an artery or something, and he goes out, Allahu <laughs> alam. But in this case, it's permissible. You're defending yourself, defending your home. So that's a, that, these are, are, are examples of things that are right on the battlefield, if it's something that's qisas, these type of things, they're, they're, they're righteous, and a, and, a, and, a, and a kill that's acceptable in Islam. But, a, and we understand from the ayah even though it mentions this one we understand that there's another one even though it's not mentioned directly in the verse only one is mentioned but we understand right away that there's a type of killing which is what which is unjust which is what killing an innocent individual uh killing someone who's a dhimmi the ones who are in the muslim countries from other religions who have the right to be there and they're given the right to be there and you have also the mu'ahad, the one who has a uh, has been given assurance, or the Mustatman who has been given the assurance to come in, uh, the, or the mu'ahad is the one who has a, a treaty between them and the Muslims, the Mu'ahid, the one who has a treaty between themselves and the Muslims, he's safe, not allowed to be harmed. The Mustatman, the one who has been given permission to enter into a Muslim country. Some people will come and say, well, they shouldn't be here in a Muslim country. That doesn't give you right to harm them, and that's not your. your, your it's not upon you. Yom al-Qiyam, Allah is not going to ask you about that. Who has the people in charge about that, but not you. So since they're in a country that you're in, that's a Muslim country, and they've been given, like we say now, a visa to enter. That means he's a musta'min. He's been given permission to enter from the government. That means he's safe when he enters into the Muslim country. And he's not allowed to be harmed. All of these things are haram for a Muslim to harm any of them. SubhanAllah, when you look in the days that we live in, that the killing has become such, so widespread, the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned this, that at the end of time, it becomes so widespread that the killer won't know why he's killing, and the one who's killed won't know why he was killed. And if you look at another hadith, which was narrated in Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned that the last hour will not come until certain things happen. From them, that religious knowledge will be taken away. The ilm will go away. Secondly, earthquakes will become more frequent. Time will pass quickly. Afflictions will appear. Murders will increase. And money will overflow amongst you. Have those signs happened, ya, khuan? All of them happened, subhanAllah. And when you hear a hadith like this, This makes you feel that the hour has come close. It could be at any time. Therefore, what do I need to do as a Muslim? Make sure that I'm prepared. Make sure that I'm prepared because all of these things are widespread now. May Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala help us and help the Muslims, Ya Rabbil Alameen. The next characteristic, which if we're counting this ayah as three, which one is it? Which number is it? Eight, number eight, alhamdulillah. Some of the brothers are writing down, mashallah. Most, what happens, most brothers come to the halaqat the and they say, no, no, I don't need to write down, I'll memorize. But what you're going to do, if you don't write down, you forget. And that's why the scholar said, the brother said, I got the video camera. You know, most people are not going to go back. But if you have like a little, little notepad or like the brother has his little notepad on his phone, it's very easy to go back to. You're putting bullet points. It's much easier than even going on YouTube and after you, you have to go five minutes forward then three minutes back and then ten minutes ahead to get all the numbers. You write it down and when you write something down, it makes it stick into the mind. It's even better than reading, better than hearing. When you write something down, it sticks. So alhamdulillah, those who write it down, they'll benefit more. And as the scholar said, al-ilm bil kitab. Write down your knowledge. Write down your knowledge by, any, uh, by writing it down. That's how you're going to benefit from the knowledge, in and it's not something that we should shy away from. Well, see, even if it's on the phone, if people like to go, you know, the new school, or like the brother going old school. Imam Ahmed, ta'ala, he was walking, and he used to walk around with the ink pen. You know, they used to dip it into the, 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 the feathered pencil, or whatever it was, or the pencil, the stick, into the what? Into the, uh, into the ink stand, and they would write. So he walked around with this, and he Imam Ahmed, the great scholar of Islam. And some of the people thought it was strange. They said, Imam Ahmed, ma'al mihbara, the mihbara, the ink stand, he has it with him. And he said, with with pride, he said, ma'al mihbara al maqbara, that I have the ink stand with me, the mihbara, until I go to the maqbara, to the graveyard. I'm always going to be writing. I'm always a student. There's no shame in that. Alhamdulillah, that's how we benefit from the knowledge. So it's, it's better, inshallah, hopefully next week, brothers will come, inshallah ta'ala, with. Uh, and it's better. Actually, physically writing is better than the... the, the, than the the telephone. And what happens on the telephone as you're writing, other things pop up, notifications pop up, and then you become distracted. Unless you put it on a flight mode, inshallah ta'ala, and then you write with it. The eighth characteristic, wala that they do not fornicate. They do not fall into unlawful sexual intercourse. When you look at the verse in Surah Al-Isra, Allah said, wala taqrabu zina, and do not approach the zina, the unlawful intercourse. تَقْرَبُ Don't even come near it. Stay far away from it. Anything that brings you closer to it, you put a barrier between yourself and that. And that's why Islam came not just to forbid us from this, but to forbid us from the actions that will lead us to this. What's an example? Free mixing. What else? Lowering the gaze. What did Allah tell us in Surah An-Nur? Tell the believers to do what? يغضو مِنْ أبصارهم. That they lower their gaze. What does Allah say immediately after that? After the command to lower the gaze? And that they guard their private parts. And the verse which comes after that, for the sisters, what did Allah say? To tell the mu'minat, مِنْ that they lower their gaze that they lower their gaze and they protect their private parts why did Allah mention the private parts right after lowering the gaze? because this is where it all starts by looking at which is haram by free mixing as our brother said when Islam forbids free mixing and the Prophet ﷺ said إياكم الدخول على النساء beware of going into the houses or the places where the women are mixing with them because even if there's no attraction there's nothing if you mix you're going to see something that's going to entice you sooner or later one of the ansar who was sitting and he heard this hadith from the prophet ﷺ, he said what about al-hamu? Al-hamu meaning the brother of the husband meaning the, the brother-in-law of the, of the wife you're married to a sister and your brother, and this is the, the common custom in many countries around the world today. Ah, this is my brother. It's my brother. I can trust my brother. Shaytan is stronger than your brother. Shaytan is stronger than your wife. Oh, my wife is pious. She might be, mashallah alayha. But, Shaytan is stronger. The Prophet, what did he say? He said that a man and a woman are not alone together except for, who is the 3rd A As-shaytan the shaitan is the third one. When he was asked about the hamu, about the brother of the husband, he said, al al-maut. That the brother of the husband is like death because he brings destruction to the household when there's free mixing between them. If you truly love your brother, you don't mix with his wife because it brings evil and it brings calamities. It destroys household. Shaitan's there. Shaytan is there. Subhanallah. May Allah protect us. There's different types of zina. Different types of fornicating. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned that there, it's been written upon the children of Adam a portion of zina that they will indulge in. There's no escape from it. And he said that the zina of the ayn, the fornicating of the ayn, of the eye, it's in the lustful look. And that of the ears and the listening, and of the tongue. Is in the speech and the hand is in the touching and the zina of the feet is walking a walking to the place where he t- intends to commit zina he said the heart yearns and desires for it pay attention ya and this is the beauty of islam islam doesn't come and just forbid you it talks about the reality the reality is that we yearn for it the heart yearns for that when you see a beautiful woman what does your heart want to do it doesn't matter how pious you are, unless you're a bit funny, that's different. Huh? But any normal man, when he sees a beautiful woman, he wants to look. Why don't we look? Because we have a command from Allah to lower our gaze. If we go back to the verse in Surah An-Nisa, thalika azka, thalika azka lahum, that, that is more purifying for them. We are purifying our heart when we look away. If we look back, we're going to commit a sin. And it's going to harm us. And it can call us to fall into that which is greater sin. If we continue to look. That's why we have to protect our iman and protect our private parts. Protect our deen, our faith, by lowering our gaze. wala noon, And they do not commit unlawful intercourse. The tenth characteristic, or ninth characteristic, is their tawbah, their repentance of Ibad rahman. And it's interesting how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned these sins, which are some of the gravest sins, and then makes an exception. Because as we mentioned at the end, he mentions the punishment of these people who fall into these sins. And then he mentions an exception to those who will be punished. Illa mantab, except for those who make tawbah. Illa mantaba wa amana wa amila amalun Except for those who repent, and they believe, and they do good deeds. If we want our toba to be accepted, how many conditions must be met? The main conditions, what are they? Three of them. First of all, that we leave the sin. Secondly, that we have the intention to never go back to that sin. And the third is that we regret the sins that we committed in the past. If we these conditions are fulfilled, our Tawbah will be accepted. And if we add to that Tawbah, pure Iman, pure Iman, which what shows up in the actions and has good deeds, these three conditions. The Tawbah and the Iman, and the good deeds, what happens to all of our bad deeds? That Allah will turn their bad deeds into good deeds. Allah Akbar. Imagine all of our bad deeds if we truly repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fulfill the conditions of tawbah and we have true iman which shows up in our actions and our good deeds then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take all of those bad deeds and turn them into good deeds the next characteristic وَالَّذِينَ لَا يشهدون الزور. and here some of the scholars count this as one and some of them count it count as two because there's two things mentioned in this ayah and there's a reason why they count it as one and, and perhaps we'll mention inshallah that at the end. So you can count this as one or you can count it as two different characteristics. The first is that وَالَّذِينَ لَا الزُّورِ And those who do not testify to falsehood. Imam al-Sa'adi when he talked about the Zur that they do not testify to, he said that's haram statements and actions. He said they stay away from all of the gatherings that have haram statements or actions. Pay attention, your they stay away from all of the gatherings. And many of us will find this, whether it be our family members or friends or colleagues, when things are being haram that are said or done. If you want to be from Ibad al-Rahman, you stay away from these gatherings. Whether you'll find sometimes in these gatherings, they're making fun of things of the religion. This is even worse. It's the worst to stay and to listen to this. Or where there's kufr being committed, which is even worse than that. Both of them are kufr in the end. Huh? types of kufr or making fun of the religion is kufr in itself isn't it so these type of things when they're being done the muslim must get up and go away from this if there's any ill speech dirty talk uh, making fun of others making ghibah making namimah all of these things the true believer doesn't sit in such a gathering he doesn't allow it if i hear the making fun of, of other people talking about making riba and namimah of other people I, say, I-, I can't sit in a sitting like this and i'm proud because i want to be from Ibad rahman I want to be a true Muslim. I stand up. I'm not shy. I stand up and say, Look, if you guys are going to continue to talk about this stuff, I have to go because I'm a Muslim. They I say, So are we? <laughs> but this is what we're to do. We have to get up and we have to walk away. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the shahada of zur, what is shahadah of the zur? The zur. They do not testify the zur. It came in the hadith of the Prophet when he said, should I not inform you of the greatest of sins? And they said, of course, Ya Rasulullah. The first sin, which one is it? We know, Ya what is the greatest sin? To join partners with Allah, and to worship other than Allah. The second of the greatest sins, to be undutiful to your parents. Allahu Akbar, the rights of the parents. To be undutiful to the parents. And the Prophet Sallallahu he was leaning back as he was talking to his, his companions. And then he sat up. He sat up and he said, Allah wa And he said, And I warn you against giving a false witness to testify falsely. And then he kept repeating, Allah wa Qulu Allah wa Qulu And I warn you of giving a false testimony. And the Sahaba who were there, they said, he kept saying it so much that we wished he would stop. We wished he would stop. Why? Because the fact that the Prophet wasallam keeps repeating it, that means it's a scary sin to fall into. And it's something that we could be inclined to, especially when it comes to our relatives, to our friends, that we stand up and we might testify for them. We got into an accident. Whose fault was it? your close friend who was talking on his phone and breaking the law. He said, look, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna blame it on him and say he did this. He said, when the, when the police officer comes, you testify as well, it'll be two against one and he'll have to pay for me. It won't be my insurance. Huh? So what do you do as a Muslim? Because Allah is gonna ask me about that ayahu al-qiyamah is one of the major sins Prophet ﷺ warned about. So when the police officer comes, what do you say? Say, it was the fault of my friend who was talking on his phone. He was, he was that wrong. Hmm? He was the one who was that wrong. At work, your colleague comes and say, Look, say it was so and so who messed up. Don't say it was me, because the boss didn't say. No. If I'm asked, I'm gonna tell the truth. They come to me. This is a major sin, I'm not gonna fall into it. I'm not gonna be held accountable for that Yom al Qiyama. The next characteristic, or perhaps from the same characteristic, if you want to count it as one or two, wa ida marru marru kirama. And when they pass by ill speech, they pass by with dignity. And when Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala says, they pass by. What do you understand from this? They pass by it. Meaning, were they there in the gathering? They were in the gathering, but they pass by by coincidence. You're in a location, and you pass by such ill speech. You pass by such zor, people saying ill things, or doing ill acts, unacceptable acts. You see it, you hear it. How do you pass by? You pass by with dignity. You don't pay attention to it. Recently, I took my kids out to play at a park. I think it was one of these international uh, things where they have different nationalities coming. It was a certain nationality, and they were doing their traditional stuff up, singing and dancing with music and stuff like this, and men with, with even with beards jumping around singing and stuff like this, SubhanAllah. I happened to walk by, the exit was there, I had to walk by, what can I do? So this now, I have to walk by what? With kirama, with kirama. I have to walk by with with dignity. Lower my gaze, try not to listen to what's being said, so it doesn't stick into my mind, and walk by. You walk by an area where people are dancing, singing, drinking, you'll see it. I was in a Muslim country recently, it was late at night, I was walking with my family, we walked by an area where people had their beers, and they're out drinking, and the music was very loud, we have to walk by, lower our gaze, not look, seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, walk by with dignity. This is the way of the believer. The origin is that the Muslim does not attend any type of gathering like this, where anything haram is being said or done. This is the origin, the origin, the asal. But if he happens to be a place in a place where haram is being said or done, what does he do? Speaks up, makes car, if he can stop it and if he can't then what does he do he leaves if you can speak up if you can stop it maybe if you're someone who's the head of the family you can you can physically stop it if someone comes into your house and is listening to music from from, from your children or something like that and you don't allow music in your household you can go turn it off can't you that's your right and when something is done that is haram, I walked into a brother's house a couple of months ago, practicing family. I was smelling as the smoke. I was like, what, what is it? Bro, what is this man? It's like really stinks, you know. I mean, I know they don't smoke. I mean, I wouldn't. And he said, There's a sister, there's a sister who visits my wife, who smokes. My wife is shy to say anything to her. I said, Bismillah This is your house. This is your Mamlaka, This is your kingdom. You guys are in charge here. This is your house. And if someone enters your house. They follow your rules. You say smoking is haram, smoking is not allowed. You're not going to smoke in my house. Can I get an ashtray? You can get out if you want to smoke. <laughs> not in my house. No way. And it stinks. especially. And a non-smoker knows how bad it stinks. And then even children around, things like this. You can't allow something like this to happen in your house. So you speak out against it. SubhanAllah so mentioned in Surah An-Nisa, nazzal 'alaykum fil kitab." In this verse, Allah said, and it has already come down to you in the book, that when you hear the verses of Allah being denied or being ridiculed, and this is the people who are falling into what, making fun of the religion especially, But even when haram acts are being done, we can reflect on this ayah and the means as well. When haram is being done, because if someone knows something is haram and they're doing it, then you're going to, it can fall under this category as well. What did Allah say? Do not sit with them until they enter into another conversation. And then he said, then you, indeed will you will be just like them. If you sit and listen to it, as they're doing haram, or saying something that's haram, against the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're going to fall into the same thing. So when people are falling into haram, you get up and you walk out. This is the same thing. They get up and they walk out with dignity. I'm, I'm proud of who I am as a Muslim. Many times I'm in an area, I'm in some of us they, they want to smoke. It's very rare, but you, every now you have those. Some people may Allah guide them. Even they see practicing brothers sometimes, and they, they say, "It's my majlis. I light up." I say salama. And you don't going to respect me as your guest. I'm, I'm going to leave. And I mean, I, may, I might come back later, but I'm not going to sit there. You, you blow smoke around. I'm not going to go into a place where they're smoking shisha in the majlis. Man, that's not where I'm going to sit. You know. So this is what the Muslim must do, and this type of thing that he leaves. And as some of the scholars mentioned, the fact that. He said that they go by with dignity. This is why some of them counted it as one. Because obviously these ill acts are being said or done there, just like the ones who don't testify for the zuur, because zuur, it's, it's, it's vast, to all of that which is haram, it falls under it. So if you go past that, and he, that's why they counted it as one. So it could be two characteristics, it could be one. And nonetheless, and he, there's, there's two lessons that we gain from it, inshallah ta'ala. The next characteristic, and we have two more to go, and those, when they're reminded of the verses of their Lord, that do not fall upon the deaf and the blind. Meaning that what? When somebody comes and reminds you, what do you say? جزاك الله What did Umar رضي الله used to say? He would say, Rahimallah Imrian ahda'i أَهْدَى إِلَيَّ May Allah have mercy upon the person who gives me as a gift my faults, a gift. Because as the Prophet ﷺ said, "Al mumin miratu akhihi that the believer is the mirror of his brother, the reflection of his brother, meaning that we advise one another. It doesn't matter who you are, what status you are. If I'm a teacher and I make a mistake and someone comes and tells me, I say khair he said you made a mistake in something you said in the lecture. He said, I'll fix it. I'm happy to hear that. I won't make the same mistake again. But if he didn't tell me, he was shy to tell me what would happen. I would give the lecture again and make the same mistake. And I would give it maybe a, a, a fifth time and a sixth time, and all around the world I'm making the same mistake because my brother didn't correct me. I would say, Who are you to correct me? I'm the I'm the Sheikh, I'm the teacher. He said, Jazak alokhir. If it comes to you, you benefit from it. You take it as something constructive, something beneficial for you. You accept the advice. فَذَكِّرْ dhikra, الذِّكْرَ تَنْفَعُ the Allah tells us, remind because the reminder benefits the believer. You're the one benefiting when you're reminded. We come to these lectures, even though there was heavy traffic, it was difficult to get here for some of us. But we made the effort wise to be reminded. We came here for the reminder. We come to Jum'ah, Tomorrow, for what? To be reminded. Not just to fulfill an obligation, but to benefit from the reminder. So if someone comes to you with something beneficial, you accept it and you take it. The last characteristic mentioned, which is either 12 or 13, depending on how we counted the other one. وَالَّذِينَ Once again, from their du'a. We mentioned the du'a. The first one was what? That Allah would protect them and, and, and avert them from what? The punishment of Jahannam. Here in this du'a, they're saying, رَبَّنَا Ya akhwan, it's very important that the du'as from the Qur'an, we focus on making them in the du'a that we make to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We understand its meanings and then we make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through these du'as. We look in Surah Ali Amran, رَبَّنَا لَا تَزِقْ قُلُوبَنَا What an amazing du'a. Oh our Lord, don't make our hearts go astray after you have guided us we learn this du'a from the quran we learn its meanings and we implement it in our du'a to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here from this du'a رَبَّنَا هَبْ لَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وذرياتنا. Huh? قرة, uh, قرة أعين للمتقين إماما. how many things did we make du'a for in this verse pay attention O oh, our lord grant us from among our wives and our offspring comfort to our eyes and make us an example for the righteous. How many things? Three things. We made dua for our our wives, for our children, and we made dua that Allah would make us an example for the righteous. When it comes to making dua for our family by being thankful to our wives, it starts with that. SubhanAllah, I remember one family where the wife and the children, they'd always say to the father, Jazakallah khair. And when the wife would do something, the husband would say, Jazakallah khair. May Allah bless you. Barakallah fiqi. What did she do? She did something with her wajib. It's something that's the agreement they have. She takes care of the ministry of what? Interior. And he takes care of the ministry of exterior. Huh? Outside. He brings home the food. He's coming home from the grocery store. He has to do this. It's compulsory, but when his wife says, Jazakallah khair, may Allah bless you for all the efforts you do for the family. Yes, She makes dua for him. She comes and she puts the food in front of him. This is the agreement they have that she's gonna do this. And he says, Jazakallah khair, may Allah bless you. In the morning, she wakes up to iron his clothes so he can go to work looking good, looking proper. And he said, khairi, habibti. May Allah bless you. It has a huge impact, Yaakhwan. Yeah, to constantly make dua for them. That's in front of them, but even more so to make dua for them when they don't know. In your sujood. To make dua for all they do for us. To make dua for all the hair Because the hair for your spouse is the hair for your family. The good for them is the good for the entire family. And then making dua for the children. All throughout the Qur'an, Allah gives us examples of the salih making dua for their children, of the Prophets making dua for their children. Unfortunately, nowadays, many people make dua against their children when they mess up. May Allah not give you tawfiq. May Allah not help you because you messed up and you did this. Beware of that. Because the dua of the parents as it came in the sunnah is what? Mustajab. It's accepted. One of the duas that will be accepted from Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ, he forbid us from making du'a against our children. Perhaps the problems that their children are facing is because the du'a they made upon them. Always make du'a for them. No matter how bad it might be, Allah So what you did wasn't good, may Allah guide you. May Allah help you. May Allah help me with you, <laughs> okay? But never make du'a against them, no matter what. Always make du'a for them. And you see this example throughout the Quran of making du'a for their children. Even if your children are pious, brothers and sisters, it's my children, alhamdulillah, they're good. They pray five times a day, they stay away from haram, they uh, get A's at school, alhamdulillah, they're doing good. Make du'a that Allah will increase them, make du'a that Allah will keep them firm. Make du'a to Allah that when they're tested, because they're going to be tested like everyone, make, make du'a that they're gonna stay firm. Because now maybe at home, they're not facing challenges. When they face challenges in the future, they need the dua. SubhanAllah, one man, in a beautiful story, he said, I went into my mother's room to show the status of the mother. I heard my mother making dua for us and she was in her sleep. She's sleeping and making dua for her children because it's in her heart, it's in her mind. So she's making this dua even as she's sleeping, subhanAllah. And this is the true parent constantly making dua for the success of their children at the end of the verse and to make us an example for the righteous what does this mean we want to be from the righteous first of all but also an example for others to follow righteousness as well not to show off but in order to inspire and to remind others in order to get the reward as well one of my neighbors i don't know who he is But about five minutes after the adhan every day, I hear the door of him going to Salatul Fajr. He's going five minutes after the adhan every day. So he encourages me because this is the time usually I film because it's quiet at this time. So before before that, I do a little filming. The adhan will be called, I stop a bit, and then I'll continue. And I try to get the fajr right before the iqamah. This is the time my kids are not jumping around and things like that, as you guys have seen my kids, mashallah. Rather active especially when the two of them are together so there's no filming in daytime for me huh so if i want to film something i film it this time but i hear the brother the door every day at that time it's more important now this is the time for the salat if you want to film get tomorrow wake up a bit earlier and do your filming then and then uh now it's time to go to the masjid it's time to get up and make your wudu and go if you don't already have wudu subhanallah and when when i give sadaqah, when i help someone out i want to be an example to remind other people of this righteousness so they'll follow in the path as well. Because this is what we want to be as Muslims. We want to be those who are keys to open up the doors for khair for everyone else. We want to be reminders for everyone else when they see us doing the good that they follow in our footsteps. So these are the characteristics of Ibad al-Rahman. Some of them say 10, some say 12, some say 13, depending how you count uh, the ayat, what came in the ayat. Uh, I, I put down 13 myself. Uh, these are the characteristics of Ibad rahman that we need to reflect on and see where we are from them and implement them in our lives. The du'as that we memorize them and start to make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through these du'as. As As we end, and I went a bit longer today than I usually do because I didn't want to talk about the same topic next week, so forgive me for that because I try to not go more than 30 minutes, but I think I've gone way over uh, today. Allah mentions then after that the reward of Ibad That these are the ones who will receive the gurfa, the chamber, for what they patiently endured in this dunya. And they will be received when entering enter into the jannah by greetings and words of peace to eternally be there, to, abode, to, to abide eternally within the jannah. What a good settlement and a resident, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala said. This is the reward of I'bad ar rahman Bima sabaru. What do we gain from this? When Allah says, "Ulaika yudzona al-ghurfata. That يجزون, they will be rewarded. And He mentions what they will be rewarded, the war reward for the high chambers the high in, in the Jannah. Bima sabaru. With what they patiently endured. If you want to achieve any of these characteristics, what is the first key? Have sabr. If we want to be from those, السلامة, As we talked about last week. When the ignorance co- come to you, and they speak to you words of ignorance, automatically you want to what? We want to reply back. But we have to have sabr in order not to reply back. If we want to do all of these good deeds, constantly repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, good, do good deeds, stay away from these haram acts. We need to have sabr. The help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sabr. If we're going to be successful, something interesting. I told you I would mention to you last week. When you reflect on these ayats, and this is something that I was reflecting on myself, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, after he mentioned the three grave sins that they stay away from, what were they? The three sins: the shirk. They came in, 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 in verse 68 when Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala said, "The ones who don't make du'a to Adhan Allah and don't kill." Innocent people and they what stay away from fornicating. Three things were mentioned. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the punishment that those individuals will get. Also, three things mentioned after that. Whoever does these sins, they will meet a punishment. Then the punishment, number two, that the punishment will be multiplied for them on the day of resurrection. فِيهِ مُهَانًا And he will be eternally humiliated in the fire. Those three grave sins and three punishments. The exception to the rule was made, إِلَّا مَنْ Allah also mentioned here what? Three things that if they do it, that they will all be what? All of the bad deeds will be turned into good deeds. What was it? The tawbah, the repentance, the iman. Now these are the condition of tawbah. I mentioned in the ayah the iman and good deeds if you have these 3 then no matter what the sins were they be turned inshallah taala into into good deeds and then at the end allah mentions the 3 things that the people they will receive in the hereafter from the in the in the jannah force, they will get the uh, al-ghurfa the high chambers of the jannah and that they will uh, be greeted by tahiyyatan wa salama by greetings of words and peace and they will be eternally in the jannah so it's interesting, so mentioned, if you look at it, how it comes, as you reflect through the Qur'an, you find things like this, which as you read it, you say, okay, that was three major sins, and then three punishments, and then exception to the rule, if you do three things, all of those bad deeds will get turned into, into, into good deeds, and then at the end, the three things that will get in the Jannah. There's more than that, obviously. There's more punishments than the three. There's more, you'll get in the Jannah than, 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 than those three things. But nonetheless, it's interesting just to kind of see how it comes in the Qur'an like that. I found it interesting myself. And Allah knows best. Allahu alayhi wa sallam wa baraka And if there was anything good, inshaAllah, as it was said, in in these reminders, then it was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If any mistakes, it was from myself and from a shaytan. And if there's any questions, inshaAllah, we have a bit of QA. and We went a bit over. Like I said, I apologize for that. But we wanted to um, to finish it today, Inshallah, inshaAllah.